Uh, Our reading for this morning is Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. That's on page 1044, I think. Page 1044, Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the air in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others... The Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you're brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Well, good morning again. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm a ministry trainee here at St. Paul's. Uh, Why don't we pray for God's help as we open up his word. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words of Jesus. Thank you for the way he equips his disciples to faithfully live for him now. Please give us ears to hear his words this morning. Please can the picture of the future Jesus shows us throw our worldly priorities into shade. In his name we pray, amen. What big things do you have coming up in the future? Uh, Maybe you've got family coming to stay with you. Maybe your performance review is coming up at work. Uh, Maybe you've just booked a holiday. Maybe you're expecting a baby. Uh, All those future things coming up, they affect our lives now in some way, don't they? Uh, If you're waiting for your performance review, then you'll probably start making a list of everything that you achieved in the last quarter. Uh, If you're expecting a baby, you'll probably buy a cot and some nappies. Uh, We often do naturally just get ready for stuff that's happening in the future, don't we? Sometimes it's hard. If you're training for a half marathon, you know you need to go out running a few times a week. But if it's cold outside and you're already tired and your bed is calling you, it's very easy just to take your eyes off the future, to compromise the way you live now so that life just feels a little bit easier. Our passage today is Luke chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. uh, And in it, Jesus is going to ask us a question along those lines. Uh, How will you live now in light of the future? How will you live now in light of the future? How will you act as a Christian knowing that one day Jesus will return? When the world around you is roaring at you with temptations and distractions, will you keep going as a disciple? 
or will you compromise and give up? For Jesus and the disciples in this chapter, the roar of the world has already been building. Uh, Look down with me at chapter 11, verse 53, the verse before our reading. Uh, It says, When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely. So things are obviously escalating. Uh, The volume has been cracked up from a hum to a roar as these Pharisees get openly angrier and angrier with Jesus. Uh, But then see also that there's a roar coming from another direction. Uh, Look at the first verse of today's text, chapter 12, verse 1. Luke tells us, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak. So we've got this crowd and it's absolutely packed. Uh, It seems people are curious. They want to hear what Jesus is saying, that the world is listening in to Jesus. And so if you're Jesus' follower, that might unnerve you a little bit. Uh, what if they don't like the message? What if they don't like you? The stakes are getting pretty high. You've got the Pharisees raging on one side and this massive crowd on the other. The roar of the world is getting louder and louder. And so in the midst of this, Jesus huddles his disciples round and gives them three warnings. Uh, you'll see them printed on the back of your notice sheet here. Uh, verses one to three, he says, don't compromise your heart. Verse 4 to 7, don't compromise your fear. Verse 8 to 10, don't compromise your loyalty. Uh, We won't spend too long on any of them, but hopefully we can at least dip our toes into each of them, uh, and then we'll pull it all together at the end. Uh, And I think the theme that runs through all these different warnings that Jesus gives us is, will you live now for the future? Given everything that's going to happen in the future, how are you going to live now? Will you stay faithful Or will you compromise? How will you live now when the world roars around you? Jesus wants our eyes fixed firmly, not on our lives here on earth, but on the future. And so my prayer for this morning is that the picture of the future that Jesus shows us will throw all of our worldly priorities into shade. Uh, One other thing as well before we start, you probably already noticed during the reading Some of the things Jesus says in this passage are quite intense. Uh, And to be honest, they're not really the sort of thing that I would choose to talk about. Um, But we do want to let Jesus set the agenda, don't we? Not me. Uh, So let's listen carefully, even when Jesus has difficult things to say to us. So let's get going. Let's briefly look at the first warning in verses 1 to 3. Don't compromise your heart, because it will be exposed. Let me read uh, from the second half of verse 1. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So you can see here Jesus is picking up the idea we saw two weeks ago of the Pharisees being hypocrites. Uh, These Pharisees put on an outward show of holiness and piety. All the while inside their hearts, they ignore the poor and serve themselves. And look what Jesus says awaits hypocrites in the future. Look at verse 2 with me. Jesus says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. That's awful news for a hypocrite, isn't it? A hypocrite's whole self is based on keeping the sewage in their heart hidden away from the gaze of the world. And yet Jesus says, there's a day coming in the future when everything that was hidden away in your heart will be made known. It's a scary thought, isn't it? 
Uh, I'm sorry to bring up the pandemic, uh, but we got such a vivid example of this with Partygate, didn't we? Uh, cast your minds back to 2020. We had all the Downing Street staff putting on this public show of piety, proclaiming hands, face, space. I can't really remember what that was about, but that was the saying, wasn't it? Hands, face, space. Um, and they were shutting down schools and cancelling Christmas. But then behind closed doors, they were wheeling in big suitcases full of wine for their cheese and wine parties after work. Uh, the hypocrisy of that is just stunning, isn't it? But can you imagine how it would have felt to be one of those Downing Street staff when that story broke in the newspapers? Can you imagine the shame you would feel in front of your friends and family? Imagine your auntie ringing you up and saying, oh, hey, you, you work in Downing Street, don't you? You didn't, you didn't go to one of those parties, did you? You did, while I was stuck in hospital with no visitors. It doesn't bear thinking about, does it, having your hidden sin exposed before everyone? Jesus says that we can all expect a day just like that. Uh, all the sin that we've got hidden away, that we think we've got under control, that we think we can cover over with some good deeds, it's all going to come out. One day in the future, Jesus will come back, and then we'll have to answer for how we live to the Lord of the universe. So to us, Jesus says, take your sin seriously. Don't cover it up or hide it away thinking that you can get away with it. Deal with it now, repent of it, even if it's hard and it hurts. Because one day Jesus is coming back. Today is Racial Justice Sunday, as Pete mentioned earlier, uh, and I think this passage does give us a lot to consider. Uh, if you are ever tempted to overlook or to minimize the harm that racism causes because maybe it doesn't affect you, then let these words of Jesus wake you up. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. It's all going to come out before God. And we, we will each be called to uh, give an account for what we've done. Or perhaps you have been the victim of racial injustice. Uh, perhaps the people who harmed you seem to have got away with it. Now, of course, we should continue to strive for justice now. But I hope these words of Jesus uh, can be a huge encouragement to you. A day is coming when all the injustice that's happened in the world will be exposed God hates the sin of racism, and it will be paid for. Jesus says, don't compromise your heart, because it will be exposed. Secondly, verses 4 to 7, don't compromise your fear, because God will eclipse it. Let me read verse 4 and 5 for us. Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So Jesus uh, presents us again with two time frames, now and the future. And again, he's going to tell us to live now for the future. And so he starts off in verse 4. Uh, I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. So first he says uh, not to be afraid of people who here and now want to kill us. Now straight away, that's an odd thing to say, isn't it? I kind of want to say, you know what, Jesus, I actually am quite afraid of people who want to kill me. That doesn't sound great. I don't like that idea. So that's a weird thing for Jesus to say. Uh, but then he goes on and he says, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
Okay, so now it makes much more sense. Jesus is saying that something much worse than being killed could await you in the future. If you like, imagine a set of scales with a fear now of opposition on one side and a fear of being thrown into hell in the future on the other. Uh, Jesus says the future side should massively outweigh the now side. It's, it's much worse. It's much scarier. And that does make sense, doesn't it? Uh, I, you know, I don't want to labor the point, but Jesus is saying that it makes much more sense to have a difficult life now for, what, 90 years if it means that in the future you don't get thrown into hell. So Jesus wants to make sure that we fear the right thing, hell in the future, not opposition now. Now you might wonder, why is Jesus so concerned about what I fear? I mean, you know, if I'm afraid of spiders, what difference does that make to anybody else? Well, it's because our fears dictate how we live, don't they? Our fears dictate how we live. We have two daughters, uh, one is three uh, and one is nearly one year old. Uh, and being a baby, the one-year-old has no concept of fear or danger, uh, and she loves crawling around and exploring new places, uh, which means she quite often ends up near the top of our staircase. Uh, but her older sister, as soon as she gets a whiff of the baby pro- approaching the top of the stairs, she drops whatever she's doing, runs over, and more or less rugby tackles her sister to the ground, shouting, No, no, stop, Frankie! You might fall down the stairs! She'll do whatever it takes to stop her sister from falling down the stairs. Because in the past, the three-year-old has fallen down the stairs uh, a little bit, not all the way. Uh, And so she knows how dangerous they are. Uh, So she has, if you like, a fear, a reverence for the stairs. And that shapes the way she lives. Our fears dictate how we live, don't they? So Jesus warns us, don't fear the wrong thing. If we fear other people more than we fear God, then it probably means we'll do whatever it takes to keep other people happy. Even if it means that ultimately we turn away from God. There's tragically so many examples of well-known Christians who have abandoned Jesus because of just this. They feared the wrong thing. They spend all their time worrying about what celebrities and MPs and newspaper columnists thought of them, and so over time, they just kept compromising again and again and again until eventually they're completely in lockstep with the world around them, but far away from how the Lord calls us to live. And Jesus is very clear. If that's what you do now, then God may well end up throwing you into hell. It's heavy stuff to think about, isn't it? But Jesus is very blunt. Don't fear the wrong thing. But look, then Jesus adds something else in. He says in verse 6, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. It's a beautiful, tender picture, isn't it? God loves and knows every single sparrow, even though they're basically worthless. So if God has that tender care for a bunch of stupid sparrows, how much more will he care for you? Jesus says you are very precious to God. And of course, the supreme way that we see God's love is through the cross of Christ, where God himself gave up his own life to bear the punishment that our sins deserve. If you follow a God who's willing to do that, who's willing to come down and die for you, then what could you possibly fear? So Jesus says there are two ways that your future could lead, judgment and wrath, or the most tender care you can imagine. 
And Jesus wants both of those, the negative of the fear of judgment and the positive of tender care, to fill our vision and eclipse any other fears that we might feel. And that means that we as followers of the risen Lord Jesus have no need to fear any other kind of earthly opposition from mild scorn from our peers to to even the threat of death. That is hard, isn't it? It's so easy to fix our gaze on the now and to try and have an easy life now. So I wonder, what do you fear? Do you fear being out of step with the culture around you? Do you fear losing the approval of your peers? Do you fear losing the approval of your relatives? Amid the roar of the world around us right now, it's so tempting to lose sight of the future. And so for fearful people like us, Jesus is calling us to look up, look ahead at the future and just get a sense of proportion. The future Jesus is describing, the fear of hell and the hope of eternal love, one of the cross, must surely outweigh, eclipse all the things that we fear here and now. Don't compromise your fear because God will eclipse it. So we've had two warnings from Jesus so far uh, and now in this third and final warning, uh, he says, don't compromise your loyalty because Jesus will repay it. Let me read verses eight and nine for us. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. So Jesus gives the same picture twice, uh, once positively and once negatively. If you acknowledge Jesus, Jesus will acknowledge you before the angels of God on the last day. If you disown Jesus, Jesus will disown you before the angels of God. It's pretty intense, isn't it? Uh, And again, you see there's that drumbeat of now versus the future, and it is at full intensity here. If you disown Jesus before other people now, Jesus will disown you before God on the last day. Uh, And notice that particularly Jesus is talking about how we act in public. Uh, Look again at verse 8. Jesus says, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others. And then verse 9, whoever disowns me before others. So I suppose that begs the very simple question of, how do you act towards Jesus before others in public? Do your friends know you're a Christian? Do they know why you're a Christian and how it affects your life? And then ultimately, if it came to it and you had to choose between Christ and your reputation, your career, your friends, your house, which one would you choose? It would be very easy to say, yeah, but come on. Surely Jesus doesn't want me to lose my job. I mean, come on, I can't, leave, I can't lose my house. Where will I live? But Jesus says, yes, walking faithfully with him now will be hard. And so Jesus says, you should also factor into your decision, what verdict do you want to hear in the future? Do you want Jesus joyfully acknowledging you before God? Or do you want to hear Jesus disowning you before God? Now look, of course, every situation is different and we need God's wisdom uh, to walk through life, don't we? And of course, we will always mess up. Uh, The Apostle Peter publicly denied Jesus three times to save his own skin and he was forgiven. So I think this is not so much a warning about a single individual moment, but about the direction of your life. 
Is the direction of your life one that publicly affirms Jesus? Or is the direction of your life one that denies Jesus, ignores parts of what he said for the sake of having an easy life now? It's so easy to be intimidated by things around us, isn't it? So let's hear these words of Jesus and have them wake us up. Don't compromise your loyalty because Jesus will repay it. Now we'll pull everything together in just a second, but I did want to quickly just touch on verse 10. Uh, Let me read verse 10 out for us. Jesus says, And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That's a tricky verse, isn't it? Because uh, it makes it sound like there's some special category of sin that you could commit one day called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which would turn out to be unforgivable. Uh, now, I don't think that's actually quite what Jesus is saying. Um, I think instead, he says, across the whole of your life, do you listen to the Holy Spirit when he calls you to believe in Jesus? Or do you ignore and resist the Holy Spirit? I think Jesus is saying that resisting the Holy Spirit's call across the whole of your life is the unforgivable sin. Uh, And I think with that explanation in mind, it does tie in quite well with verses 8 and 9. The way you live on earth now affects your eternity. But look, that is a tricky verse, and I've just given you an answer without justifying it at all. Uh, So do grab me or Pete afterwards if you want to chat further. But let's draw things together as we finish. Uh, Now I should underline, uh, this uh, reading we've heard today, this isn't a to-do list on how to get into heaven. Uh, We're saved by grace, aren't we? Uh, Jesus is saying these very words while he's travelling to Jerusalem to die on the cross for us, to forgive our sins. Uh, No, instead here, Jesus is warning his disciples against turning away from him once they've been saved. We all get distracted by things happening now, and the future just seems so far off and small. And so Jesus says these words to redress that balance so that we as disciples of the crucified and risen Lord Jesus can live now for the future. And so I wonder, uh, where do you feel the roar of the world here and now most acutely? Uh, Where are you tempted to disregard the future and instead compromise? Perhaps you're tempted to compromise your heart to try and cover up your sin put on an outward appearance of having everything sorted, but sin lives quite happily in your heart. Maybe you have an unhelpful relationship, something you look at on the internet. Perhaps your heart loves idols and you secretly can't ever imagine putting your faith ahead of your career, your hobbies, your comfort. Jesus reminds you that one day that sin will be exposed before God. So don't give up fighting sin now for the sake of an easy life. Have that future day in mind when it will be exposed. Perhaps you're tempted to compromise your fear, uh, to fear the wrong thing, people, rather than the Lord God. Uh, I wonder, who are you trying to please each day? You know, maybe you love the idea of other people recognising how good at your job you are, what a good parent you are, how passionately you feel about a good cause, but you'd never want them to know the details about what you believe as a Christian. Maybe you avoid sharing your faith in case people think you're out of step with the world. It's very difficult, isn't it? Especially if you're a bit of a people pleaser like me. I find that hard. Uh, And I wonder, who do you give the most opportunity to shape your worldview? The world or God? If we spend all our free time watching secular TV and consuming secular media, 
then you know, don't be surprised when your heart naturally wants to uh, please the people who made those things. And so to all that, Jesus says, don't fear man, fear God. Being a disciple of Jesus may well bring strain and awkwardness into your life. And our brothers and sisters overseas do have the genuine risk of being killed for their faith. But a disciple of Jesus can withstand all of that because they know that compared to the future wrath and love of God, humans can do nothing to you. So don't fear man, fear God. Perhaps you're tempted to compromise your loyalty. Uh, The message of the gospel has never been popular with the world around it. Uh, And I think as Christians, we all feel the pressure to just alter our message to make it a little bit more acceptable to others. To, you know, talk up the bits of our faith that the world likes and to just speak less about the difficult things, like how all humans are sinful and need a saviour. Jesus says, if you're happy to compromise your loyalty to him now for an easier life, then you should be worried about what will happen on the last day when you appear before God and the angels. Finally, if you're not a Christian here today, then I guess the question that these words of Jesus raises for you is, what kind of future, what kind of afterlife could be worth giving up your life now? Because giving up your life is baked into the Christian faith. Jesus himself said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. All us Christians here this morning are trying in our different imperfect ways to do just that, to deny ourselves uh, and carry our crosses every day like Jesus did. Because we believe that the future Jesus describes, the future he has won for us, makes that so worth it. Jesus says, live now in light of the future because you know what's coming down the road. And live now in light of the future because you are deeply loved by the God who died for you. Let's be quiet and reflect for a few moments and then I'll pray. Lord God, thank you that the cross of Christ means we as Christians have a wonderful future to look forward to. Please help us when the world roars around us and tries to pull us away, to not compromise, but to stay with you to the end. Please can the image of the future Jesus has shown us help us to live for him now, no matter the cost. Let us take his warning seriously for our good and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.